0: This is a Rooster Teeth production.
1: On June 30th, 1908, an unprecedented event managed to flatten 800 square miles of pine trees in a Russian forest. Despite being the largest impact in history, the exact cause is still unknown. Today we close out our themed month of Unsettling Forest Mysteries as we discuss the strange and haunting Tunguska event. This is Red Web. Welcome back, everyone, task force at large, to Red Web, the show all about unsolved mysteries, true crime, the unknown, the unsolved. Sometimes ghosts, aliens, cryptids—you know what it movies. is. Sometimes movies. A lot of times movies. <laughs> let's be honest. I'm your resident mystery enthusiast, Trevor Collins, and with me, with those gut instincts, hearing this mystery for the first time, Alfredo Diaz. My gut instinct on the theory is UFOs. Ooh. Meteors. Okay.
0: And the yeah, explosions.
1: Okay. I was—I heard a, an Oxford mm. comma in there. Mm. I was waiting for the third item. Hmm. Yeah, Yeah. man, this is an interesting one. It happened in the early 1900s. And, um, you know, it's just close enough to modern history where you would hope that it would be hyper documented. A lot of Uh, photos, a lot of stuff. I mean, it is. There's photos of the event. Yeah. A lot of word of mouth. There wasn't really filming yet, right? So you can't. So there wasn't anyone's car dash rolling, like, which is super common now. Right, right. Got a dash cam of a meteor flying over. Easy peasy. Yeah.
0: Oh. Uh, Just, I wouldn't even like know where to begin if I just woke up, walked out, and then there was just a big old flat piece of land on the forest.
1: Well, with the way this went down, you wouldn't just wake up and see it. You, you would have been woken up certainly. Oh yeah. This thing was, was loud. Oh, okay. Yeah, we're going to dive in. You oh, know what? Okay. Let's just let's go, let's right go in. straight into it. So let me take you way back. June 30th, 1908. Something caused an extreme impact at about 7.17 a.m. in eastern Siberia near the Tunguska or Tunguska River. I'm going to be saying Tunguska, but I've heard it said many different ways. Uh, this area is relatively remote and did not have a large population. However, despite that, there were enough eyewitnesses that continued this story and got it into literature and, and news articles and stuff. So there is a pretty decent account of what went down that night. One witness was actually outside at a trading post, and they claimed that the sky almost appeared to split in two with this event. I don't even know what that would look like.
0: What, what, what? I guess it looked like a rift or like a a vortex, a portal like just in the sky, right? Like that's, if the sky tore apart, that's like the man, like visually elaborate way I'd vision it, Uh but if it was like a super simplified way, maybe just clouds coming up like one giant cloud like parting down the middle.
1: Yeah, well since this is the movie podcast about mysteries mm, you know, I'm picturing now like that Predator spacecraft coming in at pr- on prey, right? right? Like when yes. it's flying through
0: the low clouds, just pushing right through. them. Yep.
1: Or it could have been the Good explosion movie. that I'm about to kind of explain kind of taking over part of the sky, and so you have this clear delineation between that's normal morning sky over there. That is, oh my god, what's happening? I think yeah. the the rapture has just happened in the forest. You know, maybe, maybe they just wanted to pull up a bunch of rabbits and deer.
0: Yeah. Uh, I've, <laughs> if I heard a loud boom or crack like that and then all of a sudden the 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 sky parted Mm -hmm. I don't know I just think it'd be over yeah
1: keep that in mind as I continue this man's kind of a description and then and then I want to hear how you would continue to react with these new details so he said of course the sky seemed to split in two but beyond that the sky was filled with a growing fire and the heat was almost unbearable But then, suddenly, he was thrown back by the wind so hard that he had to go inside. It was clearly not safe to stay outside. And that's a pretty common description for what went down. And usually after these descriptors that are more visual, then comes the slower noise. Once all the visuals happen, a loud noise like a cannon going off is usually what people encountered so hard that many, many windows across the area shattered. So this is like a huge sonic boom or something like that.
0: So I think it's pretty cool that it's like a shared event and experience yeah. for a ton of people, as opposed to a lot of the things that we cover. It's like evidence gets out there, then everyone knows the evidence. And It's right. like, I too experienced these exact same things. Right. And it's like, this is a bunch of people that like, they all experienced this event right. individually and then went like, hey, reported it like this is what happened to me. So... And I all the descriptions
1: are usually like in this situation are pretty are all, all, the same. all the same. Yeah, Damn. which is nice.
0: Okay. That being said, so it just the weird thing about this, it just seems like it's a series of different things happening. Yeah, yeah.
1: During like a short how you how you feel about period. it? yeah.
0: I don't know like a boom in the sky. Yep sky opening up tearing apart yeah right very bright light in the sky yeah. almost like it's catching a blaze then yeah. super hot mm-hmm. then uh gust of wind that's powerful enough to knock someone back yep and and then a sonic boom that shatters windows
1: yeah <laughs> so it <laughs> makes in. it makes sense i mean this all was feels this, like one event like, right, right. light's gonna be the fastest you're gonna see that stuff first just like when you see a jet in the sky, you're gonna see it maybe Before a few he, yeah. optical inches away from where you hear it because yeah. the sound is slower to travel. And then the shock wave is probably, I guess in this instance, somewhere in between where, if you've ever seen like seen an explosion, you see the shock wave come across the desert, right, yep. boom, yeah, and yeah. then you hear it. It's so weird, but it just goes to show like how far away this guy might've been.
0: That must be such a jarring experience to sit there, see that, and then experience these different things attacking your senses. Right.
1: (laughs) You're already so confused, but like a deer in the headlights, you're just staring at it until it continues to assault you with all this other...
0: Then Your sight, your touch, your hearing, it's all just being attacked in different ways.
1: And then you're taken off your feet. So this man was 40 miles away from this event. About 64 kilometers, if you prefer. But there were actually witnesses closer to this event, uh, such as one of the reindeer herders who was only about 20 miles from the epicenter, aka about 32 kilometers. They reported that the fire came raining down on them, that the sheds around them that they used were being destroyed, and that the reindeer were either charred totally or just missing entirely. Some probably scattered, many probably perished, being so close to this cataclysmic event. And the heat from the falling fireball was felt by the village of Vanavara, which was apparently within 18 miles or 30 kilometers. And it was strong enough, this this heat, again, almost 20 miles away, to ignite small fires in their shrubbery, in their trees, and in, in the forest around this this village. And then even closer to the site, locals reported this, quote, Early in the morning, when everyone was asleep in the tent, it was blown up in the air, along with its occupants. Some lost consciousness. When they regained consciousness, they heard a great deal of noise and saw the forest burning around them. Much of it devastated. And in another quote, they said... The ground shook, and incredibly prolonged roaring was heard. Everything round about was shrouded in smoke and fog from burning, falling trees. Eventually, the noise died away, and the wind dropped, but the forest went on burning. Many reindeer rushed away and were lost. So,
0: Smokey the Bear's Nightmare.
1: Smokey the Bear's Nightmare, 100%. Huh. Only you can prevent cataclysmic (laughs) meteorological events. (laughs) But yeah, so, there was a man, even closer still around nine miles or 15 kilometers away. He was reportedly blown off his feet, 40 feet away into a tree, causing a compound fracture in his arm. And unfortunately, he died soon thereafter. So we don't really have his eyewitness event. But based on the scene that he was found in, it was gathered that he, yeah, 40 feet from where he just stood. I mean,
0: you know, I'm sure a buff scientist showed up and Mm -hmm. then started just you know gauging the scene there right and then, did an ocular then, measurement yeah and then yeah. was able from there to deduce the fact that, like the speed and the velocity mm-hmm. that would take for to push someone that far back and the starting point and then the how 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 fast and hard you'd have to hit the tree in order to cause a fracture
1: he sure locked it yeah 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 but I mean, like people do that. I mean,
0: not ocularly, but people do that. No, of course, yeah, no, hundred <laughs> um, percent.
1: I just like the idea that the task force so, scientists are just like right hyperhumans, you know? Yeah, I just almost looked at cryptid, it. Almost... So, <laughs> you know right. Themselves. But this death is one of three possible deaths that could be attributed to this event. It's basically the only confirmed one that is definitely, or at least highly probably, from this event. Yeah. But everyone else, it is a lower population area, so this is probably the closest person that would have been there, to our knowledge. Ultimately, though, there are still some other witnesses, and generally, they described a strange blue light appearing before the sky became very fiery in appearance, with, again, the strong heat, and then the winds following, and then once again, that loud boom. Now, these are people that see it a little further away, and so this is probably the first time we've heard about this blue light preceding right. the fiery sky I was like okay hold on now we got a blue light yeah
0: So we're just we're piling
1: things on here. right I mean like the further people away got to see one other phase everyone else that was close didn't that, get that that isn't that is insane I love I love the physics of that though like just based on your proximity right you're getting a different Experience. iteration of the same yeah same things yeah who's to say someone wasn't right at the epicenter and that was like the oh fourth god victim. Yeah, that just smite that one person. (laughs) Yeah, that one entity. That one
0: person. It's just all of this was caused by one really bad person.
1: I just imagine now, you know, Terminator, right? Yeah. Shot in the alley. Yeah. Papers start flying around, lightning strikes a a dumpster. Mm -hmm. A ball appears, a naked man in the street. (laughs) Arnold Schwarzenegger. Right. He's off to get his clothes. Now, imagine this happened in reality, but. Different location. The coordinates were all messed up. They ended up in a Siberian forest in the middle of nowhere. But isn't the radius of this ball huge, though? Oh, I'm saying this is this is the target. Oh, yeah. Some sort of government officials clocked that a few miles away and said, hmm I've seen this movie. We got to blow that up." <laughs> yeah. I.
0: I, <laughs> <laughs> I <laughs> 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 Arnold Schwarzenegger in the it.
1: middle of the Siberian forest, and then we're like, "We uh, we can't have that." No, we. He's we messed, the one at the yeah. center. <laughs>
0: I thought you like you meant like a a Terminator type person like landed there and teleported into the sky and his whole bubble thing was like huge.
1: (laughs) Hey, who knows? Maybe maybe Terminators are huge in the future. Anyway, that vivid waste of time later. Let's let's talk about the, the damage because this explosion took out almost or estimated 80 million trees. Uh, in a oh 800 square mile radius, or if you prefer once again, 2,000 square kilometers, completely flattened. I mean, we have pictures of tree trunks laying flat and you oh. can tell where the epicenter is because the trees basically just fell away from the explosion. This
0: is huge. Yeah.
1: so when seen above, right in the middle of like nowhere. yeah. So when you see it from above today, it's just a blank spot of land. But when you saw it, then you'd see all these trees. And if you followed their trunks, they would point in to, yeah. like, to the middle of the circle.
0: Um, I wonder if it's like any radiation readings or Oh, yeah, stuff like that. Like, um, yeah, this looks like with uh, honestly, it looks like a meteor hit the woods, but it didn't cause a crater.
1: Yeah, that's, that weird. is, that uh, is you know, weird. I'll spill some beans. That is a very popular theory. And when we get to the theory How section, it we'll really creator, go into though. that. Exactly. We'll, we'll the, get into that theory what? very vividly. That
0: make no damn sense.
1: Yeah. So anyway, for those visuals, as always, hit us up on social and on YouTube at Red Web Pod. We'll get those for you. But otherwise, yeah, it's just a huge, just blank spot now, a bald spot in that forest. At the end of the day, the explosion that was witnessed is believed to have been about a 5.0 on the Richter scale. And airwaves were detected as far away as, get this, Washington, D.C. and England were able to pick up these seismic and airwave events. That's how crazy this explosion was. That is insane that... That explosion was that
0: wild and mm-hmm. didn't cause a damn hole in the ground right I'm so upset it's right just now. the trees the <laughs> ground just, is great the crown is fine right there it doesn't look like there's <laughs> just a bunch of grass growing on it now and there's no divots
1: right <laughs> like, right it's wild so and then additionally to that you know what this reminds me of is in the late 1800s i believe it's like 1880s uh i'm going off of my my memory here but the Krakatoa volcano is still very active. I think mm-hmm. the last eruption was a year or two ago. Um, it's in the Indonesian islands. And this thing had one of the most violent eruptions on record. And the thing is, it's kind of before electricity. It's before you could properly like record this thing. Yeah. Unlike the Tunguska event where you can actually have a little bit more of modern technology in play. This thing though, this is just some fun facts. It was so crazy, so loud that the sound wave Reverberated around the planet three times. <laughs> That's
0: stupid. Imagine seven hearing, times. Actually, seven, seven times? times. Oh my bad. Yeah. Yes, even more. Checked. Yeah, that is insanely stupid. So many stupid. times. That is wild.
1: Also, you're like, oh, here comes Sunday. We uh, at noon, we got another sound wave coming <laughs> yeah. <in> from that <laughs> event last
0: week. You know, it's crazy. That is nuts. Also, got me to thinking. Yeah, how do you
1: plug up a volcano if you needed to? Galactus finger. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, like Bugs just, Bunny in the shotgun. Yeah, <laughs> just like a couple of fingers in there. That's a good question. How I don't would know
0: how you plug that. In? I don't just think. Say, you, like this volcano is so violent, yeah, it yeah, keeps yeah. popping off. We got to get to stop.
1: How you yeah. plug it? I don't think you plug it. I think you, uh, you like a cystic pimple. You have to lacerate it and exercise the pressure within. Right? This is. These yeah. are just planet pimples at the end of the day true yeah you know they're deep enough you just kind to kind of let that pressure out Get the world's greatest pimple poppers oh, yeah God. dr pimple popper i don't like this we need you to get a geology degree <laughs> <laughs> here's the thing like that also the again off non-sequitur but in the same vein as what we're talking about here yellowstone theorized to be a cataclysmic event that is just waiting to erupt You don't think of it as a volcano, but that whole place is a hotbed of like magma under the surface, just building. And some people, some doomsdayers perhaps, imagine that that's going to someday build and build and build until it explodes, destroying the center of the continental US, but also shattering ash around the planet and like putting us into an ice age or something. Well, that's wild. I thought it was just going to destroy Yosemite
0: Um, that went went the whole planet so yeah that went sideways real quick i
1: haven't really looked into that i don't know how much is fact and fiction but very interesting regardless a little bit of both but yeah let's come back to uh to this event here so 5.0 richter scale sensed around the world wild stuff now from 60 miles away or 96 kilometers the shockwave threw people to the ground knocking some unconscious, of course, breaking many windows and rattling shelves off the walls. There was actually a quote from yet another eyewitness. Again, this was well documented in the the news, which is nice. Quote, "'I was sitting on the porch of my house at the trading station looking north. Suddenly in the north, the sky was split in two and high above the forest, the whole northern part of the sky appeared covered with fire. I felt a great heat as if my shirt itself had caught on fire. At that moment, there was a bang in the sky.' In a mighty crash, I was thrown 20 feet from the porch and lost consciousness for just a moment. The crash was followed by a noise like stones falling from the sky or guns firing. The earth trembled. At the moment when the sky opened, a hot wind, as if from a cannon, blew past the huts from the north. It damaged the onion plants. Later, we found that many panes in the windows had been blown out and the iron hasp in the barn door had been broken. So, a very vivid account of what went down yeah, that Yeah, it was. I can't imagine thinking if this happened to me that this would be like an end of days scenario. That this is just so otherworldly. It's only something that you and I would see in a in a film, yeah, and not a film from 1908. So
0: this no, is no, not at all. So it, I mean, and during those times, you'd just be thinking it's the end of days, right? Also, be really upset of all the repairs. But then again, there are more resources oh, yeah. people. Were more resourceful back then. Right, like repairing things on their own, not just They'd like I'm gonna own... yell a handyman. And... Right, yeah. They're
1: like I, I'm multifaceted. I'll make my own Windows thing. Right, you. yeah. But this thing was so bright, the explosion so vivid in the sky, that it was able to be seen visually up to 300 miles away from the center of the explosion. We are such an
0: insignificant, tiny oh little God. like speck in the universe. Right, But these things that are so much larger than us can happen and be seen, like, across, like, continents and mm-hmm. the ocean. It's just, it's just wild to me. We're
1: just so tiny. We're we're so we're puny. Speck. Our sun is puny. There's so much volume out there. Ugh, man, yep. it's the source of nihilism, I think. But, you know, we all ran the mile in high school. Now just multiply that by 300, and there you go. That's how far that thing could be seen. I, you think, like the
0: further away you are the safer you are but the more confusing it would be because you would just see like a light right right or just like feel like an earthquake or Mm -hmm. a gust of wind right there's got to be someone that was just far enough to feel the sound wave or uh, you know i mean the 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 gust yeah but not like you know not get hit by it right not not get like stumbled over right because there's it, it it there's gradually got, goes away. Right, there's gotta
1: be a fall-off point, right? Yeah. You, you imagine a bunch of kids on the soccer pitch playing right. a little uh, you know, 7 a.m. soccer on one side of the field, kids are flying off the pitch. <laughs> oh on the other God. side of the field, you got <laughs> kids even, going, the I goal's open! Even, the goal's I open. I did not even think about that. Uh, I
0: was thinking about one dude just, like walking and just going, Phew. You're like, oh, there's a little gust
1: of wind. But oh, yeah, yeah. It just take away like half the pitch. Could you imagine like a well-timed check this out would have blown people's minds. You're like, hey, check this out. And you get thrown 20 feet. Oh, that would have yeah. been nuts. Yeah, well, hopefully a you didn't get hurt one. or lo- lose consciousness. But now while the airwaves were able to be detected in Washington, D.C. and England, which are many, many thousands of miles away, seismic reverberations were able to be tracked as far as 600 miles away. Now, for several days following the impact, the skies in Russia and the surrounding areas were glowing. Reportedly, you could even read a book by the light of the glow, despite it being nighttime. And so this immediately raises a lot of questions. So there's... So at this point, we throw this into the
0: category of, like, this undoubtedly happened, correct?
1: Yes, this factually, factually happened. Okay. Yes. Interesting. I picture... so. Here's the thing that comes to mind. You you mentioned this earlier. Yeah. Radiation. Yeah. The other thing that comes to mind is like, is there some sort of like high friction, like something entered the atmosphere, tons of friction, ionized a bunch of particles and, uh, and right. ions Right. We had some whatever.
0: sand with enough heat, create glass.
1: Right. Right, right, right. But yeah, this this makes me think of like ionization, right? That some sort of atoms and compounds in the atmosphere must have had some high level of energy provided to them by way of like friction or something that lasted and, and created this glow. But but otherwise, like, yeah, this definitely happened. It's just a matter of what the heck was it? So we're going to talk about some of the expeditions and research that went into this, uh, this event. And unfortunately, it took about 13 years for someone to really go after it specifically with a specific theory in mind. Oh, and then okay. after that, we're going to talk about that theory in detail, as well as many of the other lingering theories that might have addressed what went down right i just
0: if this is right this is an event this happened mm-hmm. it's a mystery it's unexplained that's why we're talking about it yeah are, are we just so over so many like i just feel like there's ever since doing this show yeah there's been so many things are like this undoubtedly
1: happened and we're all just kind of like yeah you know it is what it is desensitized kind right? of right like yeah. i don't <laughs> like i can't reiterate enough like i try so hard to what? like remove myself from my desensitized moment right Movies have planets blowing up. We've seen it all now. And you go, oh, nonfiction or fiction rather. But man, put yourself in the seat of the investigational squad at the time. And this has to be otherworldly. This and must ha- have been right? gobsmacking. And yeah, still, you know, just some eyewitnesses.
0: I just, a couple of I, just counts, I just feel you know? like there should be a group or, you know, task force right, that's right, like right,
1: dedicated right. to just constantly going at these things. Then again, maybe I'll and- just Terminator you back in time. There we go. see what happened oh shoot maybe you caused the event you showed up in the middle of the forest the government freaked out they
0: nuked the place it's gonna be uh, let me tell you the pov is you send me back in time and uh-huh. every time it's like
1: send me back to me back
0: no 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 no. No, then, no
1: no no and then i just all these mysteries <laughs> are created <laughs> you are db cooper you are the tunguska event you are bigfoot <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's talk about that 1921 expedition to Siberia. This was led by mineralogist, not meteorologist, not anything, mineralogist Leonid Kulik. So Kulik worked in the Mineralogical Museum over in St. Petersburg, which is further out west there in Russia. Now, in 1921, Kulik was asked by the museum to locate and examine meteorites that had fallen within the Soviet Union. When preparing for the project, he stumbled across a newspaper article describing the Tunguska event. So it's well documented and thereby it's maintained its spot on the shelf of history. Mm -hmm. Without him finding this, I just want to say this, without finding the newspaper article, we might not have actually looked into this and it would have just been a word of mouth story from over 100 years ago. What? So he stumbled into this newspaper article and he's like, I think that might be a meteor. Let me go do my job. It blows my damn mind. How is it not right? just like
0: escalated to right. the police to the police chief and then they yeah. escalate that shit up to the, the government? To be fair,
1: maybe the Soviet Union, because at the time it was, maybe they did do something and maybe they're very cagey about right. that information. I don't know. But this is what that article had to say. The one that he read, quote, A huge meteorite is said to have fallen in Tomsk, several Sejins from the railway line near Filiminovo Junction, and less than 11 versts from Kansk. I'm going to pause for a second. It gets a little bit more clear. This is how the language is. Continuing, its fall was accompanied by a frightful roar and a deafening crash, which was heard more than 40 versts away. The passengers of a train approaching the junction at the time were struck by the unusual sound. The driver stopped the train, and the passengers poured out to examine the fallen object, but they were unable to study the meteorite closely because it was red hot. So let me break down a few of the confusing factors there. Just a different measure for distance, I believe. Some of these might be timely, like kind of Russian units. Yeah. Otherwise, basically saying a train approaching a station nearby this event, witnessed it, they wanted to study it. Sounds like they were saying that this was a meteorite, but they couldn't approach because of how hot it was, and that's kind of where it left off. Enter now mineralogist Leonid Kulik, who wants to go in 1921 to Siberia.
0: That's a lot. It's a lot. I mean, honestly, that's a lot. One, that the train, they are close enough to get out and see if there was a meteorite, but then also they... the the train cars seem to be okay they seem to be okay yeah
1: it's an interesting little story and it's and it's so funny because this is the only time i've heard of this little snippet right but i'm not going to hang my hat too hard on it it's basically what piqued kulik's interest in Mm -hmm. this particular story so he then being interested now went to investigate it further make multiple expeditions into this area to find those answers so over the years i think he took about three expeditions that way and they were spread out over the course of the years but he believed that this event was definitely caused by a meteorite which is the prevailing theory there are a lot of hang-ups but we'll get into them but during his first expedition kulik and his team found uh, the general location of where the explosion's epicenter would have been and they did that by going to that giant bald spot and basically using the the way the trees were laying to point them wherever the roots were That means it's pointing towards whatever caused the tree to fall. So they use that to find the epicenter. But This is how many years later? About 13. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, it takes some time. But despite the fact that they were able to kind of track that epicenter location, they were prevented from getting there because of how difficult the terrain was. Tunguska is extremely cold and icy in the winter. And then when you flip it over to the summer, it becomes a very marshy, almost swampy sort of area. So it's never... Easy, And it's also very remote. Kulik was able to get funding for a second expedition. However, this didn't happen until 1927. So six years after still. So he finally goes out to the location then. And this was actually with the help of local Evenki hunters who were able to locate the epicenter of the explosion. So ultimately though, despite these expeditions, despite investigating the site, Kulik's team never found fragments of a meteor or an impact crater which would be I mean, almost 100% expected for an right. impact.
0: Did, okay, so was it like fragile enough that it broke up within the atmosphere and then just the shock wave was strong enough to keep going and impact the Earth?
1: It's a very good question. And that's what kind of drives the mystery here. Now, Kulik did return to Tunguska another and third time, and during his expeditions, he was able to gather witness stories, and some of these stories are the very encounters we described earlier. So, you have some newspapers at the time in 1908 gathering the stories around this, and some of them that we actually just discovered and and went over were from Kulik's expeditions, and so again, without this guy stumbling into that one article, we might not have ever heard of this, let alone started asking questions as to what went down, because this is a totally again factual but a super unique thing i just there must have been someone
0: important within the radius of what happened that night that just went i gotta tell someone yeah i have the power to do something to investigate this that's just insane to me i mean then again maybe they did and then they just were like nothing or, Mm -hmm. or it's too difficult whatever
1: now here's something that's very interesting at the very center of what would have been the explosion, all these trees laying out from the pressure, shockwave. There was an area right in the middle of about five miles, eight kilometers wide where the trees were actually still standing. However, they were scorched, mostly lost their branches, pretty much dead, but still very clearly stood. So there's a lot of questions that come with that. And around the site of the explosion, Kulik noticed, quote, pothole bogs that he believed must have been small meteorite craters. So we're like, cool, we're getting somewhere. Maybe it broke up. Maybe that's what these are. But upon further inspection, they drained these craters of anything kind of clogging them up, and they were able to find tree stumps deep underneath those grounds. So it was then clear that it wasn't a meteor or meteorite particles that smashed into the ground, but instead Mm -hmm. almost like trees that had sunk in. A little bit and eventually died. And so tree stumps are the only things left. Oh, okay. It's very strange.
0: I mean, you you just say in the summer it was kind of swampy.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, unfortunately, despite Kulik's extreme fascination with this area, he was unable to investigate further because Kulik died in war. But despite that, Kulik's findings brought many answers, yet some more questions as to what it might have caused this whole event. And the Soviet Academy of Sciences sponsored more expeditions in 1958 and 1961, but unfortunately no subsequent expeditions were able to locate an object, an impact crater, or anything else to help elucidate us to what caused this wild, wild event. Ah, oh, man, that is, I mean, you, that, it's literally something you
0: can, well, very difficult do, mm-hmm. but it's something you can go and see right right now. Yeah,
1: it's there. <laughs> That's tangible, baby. Man,
0: there must. There, oh man, to be like, <clears throat> I don't know, to be walking across that like spot during like I don't know, shortly after whenever the period a period of time was safest would have been interesting.
1: Hmm would you have wanted to be there to like witness this thing if you were at a safe distance maybe get thrown just a few feet yeah
0: I mean I also would have honestly like I maybe especially now because we do this show like Mm -hmm. if, if if we were to see that I'd be like let's go
1: really yeah look at this we, uh, Christian, we got him ready eager. I, I'm, it's not going to be on site. It's not going to be 105 episodes later. No, 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 no. Hop up of that office chair. Strap your buttons on. It's not get a, out in the field. It's not a
0: damn meteorite
1: <laughs> <laughs> strapped with 500 ghosts, okay? <laughs> well, like, you don't know that. <laughs> this could be an ancient alien civilization haunting a meteorite. I'll take my chances, not alien ghosts. <laughs> what if ghosts were just aliens and they all came here on their different haunted rocks? That's what. <laughs> what? You heard me. That's wild. That is, that is absolutely nuts.
0: <laughs> I feel so here's the thing. That never, that never crossed my mind this ever. Whole event, like, yeah. This, this whole all.
1: event is so pardon the, the on the nose pun, but like earth shattering. Like this is such a rare event for modern documented history that Man, I don't, I don't know. I'm just so deeply fascinated by it's, it. This is stuff that you insane. you hear about all throughout the cosmos, but it doesn't happen in your backyard, right? You, if it's swampy, who's to say it didn't like... I don't know. Swallow up and level out? Yeah. Like it just ate whatever meteors might have hit right. and then just kind of the ground self-leveled? Yeah. Depends on how marshy it gets. I don't know. That's true. Yeah, I don't know how marshy that it's not a, gets. It's not a bad thought. I mean, if these trees are sinking and filling yeah. up when... Yeah. This really is one of my favorite mysteries we've done. Yeah. Because it sounds so wild as you're telling the story. And then we go, here are photos. And thankfully, (laughs) it was was not super, like, unfortunately, there's somewhere between one and three deaths attributed to this event. But unlike other things we've covered, this is such an extremely unique and wild incident that had a very low death footprint. Yeah. And so it becomes so fascinating. And it's also, yeah, to your point, Fredo, it's also not like... A haunt, no, or something otherworldly that gets you creeped out. It's just deeply fascinating. What was this? It's just I don't, especially back
0: then. uh, There's nothing man-made that could have caused that.
1: Not that we know of, right? That we know of, yeah,
0: right. But I mean, you think that something like that for so long, like if that was something that was man-made, eventually they'd be like, "That's tech that we use to help," right? you know, I don't know, level bland or right. something. You Save know. your
1: chainsaws. I got this thing. Right. Pop trees
0: down. Right. Go get your wood. It just, yeah, I would think that's mm-hmm. something that we, you know, it was natural, I would think. That's yeah. what I'm leaning towards right now.
1: Well, one of the theories, I mean, we're about to dive into them, and I'll talk about this one a second, but one of the theories is that perhaps this was a nuclear weapon, but I mean, one of the wrinkles with that is that nukes the to the the public well there's the radiation idea like can we measure that is it still there was it there at the time but in addition to that as far as the public is aware and as far as history shows nukes weren't invented until what the 40s yeah late 30s something like that yeah, so like so uh you know did somebody have these wild capabilities decades prior is it some sort of weird classified situation with the soviet union you know who knows well, hello there, forest mystery lovers. We are coming to a close now of our creepy forest mysteries. I hope you enjoyed it. We do have another theme month coming up in October. of a few fun ones here to get you through the September month here. But man, am I ready to be strapped in for some haunted houses in October. More on that in a little bit. Some red web information for you all. We do have our pin of the month coming next Monday, September 5th as well as a shirt, a Case Files shirt, dropping on that very same day. So get yourselves ready. Mark your calendars. It's coming. And uh, and we're going to talk about this more in a future episode, but I'm going to drop it here just for you all who listen to this little, uh, this little intermission. We are launching an ancillary show kind of to expand the Red Web universe. I know we've teased this idea over the years, but we're finally going to do it. And it will be coming out in about eight episode chunks, kind of seasons, on our YouTube channel. So if you want to get ready for that, it's called Red Web Case Files. So you know us. We're going to have a whole spread from serious investigation sort of topics to lighthearted fun. It's just a way to build out what we're doing here with Red Web, as well as provide a visual show, short format. The podcast ain't going anywhere. You'll have a 10-minute show or so to kind of digest within the week to get you to the next episode. So that's coming soon. So be sure to subscribe to youtube.com slash redwebpod and uh, we will see you in the coming weeks. I believe that's launching here sometime in September. More on that in a future episode. But with that said, I want to talk about some of today's awesome sponsors. This episode of Red Web is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all do things regularly to maintain our lives. We wash our cars, we clean our houses, we spend time with friends. So why don't we treat our brains that very same way? Our minds affect how we experience life as well as the quality of our life, so it's important that we take care of them and keep them healthy. But sometimes it can be hard to access care, whether it's finding a good therapist near you or finding someone affordable. That's why BetterHelp Online Therapy offers video, phone, and even chat-only therapy sessions. So if you're not totally comfortable talking to someone on camera, it's all good. You don't even have to. You can uh, talk with them with the cam off and your jammies on. If Whatever you want to do, feet up in the air, hang out, have a good time while you do it. But BetterHelp is more affordable than traditional therapy, and you can even be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours of signing up. Task Force members, if you're interested, you can get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com RedWeb. That's BetterHelp.com slash RedWeb. This episode of Red Web is also sponsored by Celeritus, the new insane sci-fi thriller podcast. Task Force, do you like your sci-fi dark, gritty, and terrifyingly trippy? Of course you do. Celeritus is about the first test of light speed flight gone wrong when it hurls an astronaut deep into space and far into the future. There, he begins a desperate interplanetary search for the remnants of the human race. This show isn't a cute, fun romp in a shiny spaceship. Oh, no, no. It is terrifying. Space is hard. Space wants to kill you. This astronaut risks everything trying to figure out what happened to humanity while battling the very real challenges of radiation exposure, bone loss, and fuel supplies, all as the isolation slowly drives him crazy. The sound design is incredible. The production value is over the top. This is definitely a headphone experience for sure. Solaritus is available on all major podcast platforms or straight from the source at www.embracetheemptiness.com. I think that website says everything you might need to know about this project, but check out Solaritus once again at www.embracetheemptiness.com. Once more www.embracetheemptiness.com. And with that said, let's get right back into the mystery. Let's dive into the front foremost theory, which is that it was a meteor. Because there's a lot of, for it, there's a lot of wrinkles in it, you know? Where's the damn crater? Where's the crater? Where is it, Christian? Wrinkle number one. Show me the picture with the crater. No, just wait. All right. (laughs) Just wait. All right, let's dive into it. Theory number one. It is, in fact, the leading theory among scientists that the Tunguska event was actually a meteor. And I'm not going to get into the meteorite, meteor, and then whatever the other one is, like all the different phases of a rock falling through the sky. But, you know, just basically that something fell from in outer space. This is what Kulik, of course, set out to prove initially, but he found no evidence. And then, during the expeditions that I mentioned in 1958 and 1961, soil studies were done on the ground near the explosion site. In these studies, magnetite and silicate microscopical spheres were found in the soil, which would be kind of a symptom of a meteorite. Because when you see a sphere, a perfect sphere especially, it's probably something that was formed in zero gravity. And so if this meteorite is gathering dust particles to form a rock, to form all these things, they would form in kind of these sphere particles. These same spheres were actually found in trees and further testing showed high amounts of nickel, similar once again to meteors. The atmospheric lights may have been caused by icy debris from the meteor, especially as an asteroid or a meteor comes through the atmosphere. High levels of friction, the thing's gonna ignite, if there's any gases pent up in this thing, it could explode, et cetera, et cetera. That would answer a lot of what was seen that so night. So cool. Yeah. However, the microscopic spheres are not enough to conclusively say and confirm that this must have been a meteor. In fact, according to meteorite expert Phil Bland of Curtin University, quote, There's really not much out there and nothing that's definitively Tunguska. Bland also said that because the material from the meteorites is constantly raining down on Earth, it's hard to say if this was from this event or if this was just passive meteorite kind of collection, right? Micrometeorites hit the planet all the time. Oh. And this obviously this planet was formed at some point right. from meteorites. So yeah. he's basically saying like, you can't be conclusive with this. It also could just be background noise. You know, like when we've mm. talked about radiation signals and past mysteries, yeah. is that background radiation? Is this radiation from this event, etc.? That's when astronomer Daniil Krennikov comes through from the Siberian Federal University. Along with other colleagues, of course, he led a study of the Tunguska event. They theorized that the event was the result of an iron asteroid that grazed the Earth's surface. So this is trying to answer why there wasn't an impact. However, everything else does seem to indicate that this must have been an extraterrestrial body of some sort and so with that theory in mind they basically built out okay what size of meteor would be necessary to make this happen what kind of properties would this thing have and they found that a space rock composed mainly of iron would be able to successfully penetrate through the atmosphere without breaking apart into several pieces and they also claimed that the asteroid entered the atmosphere at a shallow angle and then passed once again back out into space and so, somewhere in that, like just ricocheted, right? Like a like a hyper nearby pass, right? Oh. We've had near misses where things come between the Earth and the Moon, but this is like like it, it can, had enough velocity
0: to break through the atmosphere, yeah. get close yes. to the Earth to close up to the Earth to create that spot, and then gravity pulled it back out.
1: Whether it be gravity or the momentum of its otherwise like its trajectory, yeah. its natural orbit. It could have been that it was just going so fast that Earth couldn't disrupt its orbit to pull it into the surface, but instead it kind of like just had a a hyper near encounter. That is a really cool theory. Very. That is, I did not even think about that. I, that's why I want to be there for this, (laughs) especially from a safe distance, because to witness something that unique, that astronomically rare would be so cool, especially knowing some of the details to come. So let me dive into this. Of course... This would answer why there's no impact crater. This would answer why there was a huge shockwave because they're saying this thing skimmed the atmosphere. But Krennikov and his team determined in order for this to be true to their theory, the asteroid would have to be approximately the size of a 25-story building traveling around 33,500 miles per hour which would then explode somewhere between 3-6 to miles above the surface. Imagine... A pure iron, 25-mile building-size rock. Jesus. Six miles at most, three miles at shallowest, above the surface of the Earth. Banging, just cooking through the atmosphere. That would be so cool!
0: That would be the... Oh, my God. I just... I wouldn't know what to do with myself after that. After witnessing something like that. Yeah. that's, that's, That's gotta be... The coolest thing you'll ever witness in your entire life. Be the most let humbling alone event in, of in, your life, in generations.
1: Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. No, I'm so glad we're talking about this because this is, this is like tickling. I love space. I love yeah. all that stuff. Oh, yes. It feeds my love of the unknown. Well, there's, but... there's two
0: parts to it because not only are you seeing like a meteor, mm-hmm. like get that close, you're also seeing it just take right back off.
1: Right. <laughs> hey, what's up? <laughs> Bye.
0: So hear me out. This sounds crazy. Saw a meteor, uh-huh. like, like oh my god, like that's crazy. That's why I'm like, yeah, well here's the Wilder thing: it took back off. <laughs> it's like, all right, you're full of, you're full of crap. But like, no, 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 I saw it and then the, it left. No, 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 like, great, like gravity or something like that, just yeah. put it right back into the atmosphere. And it's like, yeah. okay, buddy,
1: you, you don't know, you can't properly conceive of what thirty three thousand miles an hour looks like until you actually see like a shooting star. I actually. You know, it's been a while, but I was fortunate enough almost the other day, in fact, to just look up randomly at night and I saw a shooting star bang across the sky. I mean, these things move so fast. Now, that's something that's probably very small and burning up. It's why you're able to see it. It's why it usually like is just nothing. But this thing is so huge. I don't know what it would be like for my human brain to see something that big move that fast from an otherwise stationary standpoint. Yeah. That's crazy to think is about. It,
0: is it just like, is it like Godzilla, you know, like in terms of I like mean, size, yeah. like going across the sky, or is it something like, depending on, on, on depth and how close you are, is it like Galactus's face just like oh my God. moving through the sky? Like, yeah. I, don't, I don't even, well, that's I, don't, I, I don't even know how much, how much of my vision that would take looking up into the sky.
1: Yeah. That's what I just. As a side tangent, you know, we love movies. Um, that's what I loved about Eternals towards the end. Oh, Quick yeah. spoiler alert, minor, uh, is when you see the face of the celestial and the size of its... It's in the, in the atmosphere. Yeah. It's just out it's in space, in but it's so big. You just see a huge face. Yeah. In the I love that disparity of size. It really shows just the how big the universe yeah, is. Yeah, you, you usually
0: don't have things in movies that are to that scale. Right. You don't get to see like that kind right of thing. right next to the planet. hmm
1: So, basically, layman's terms, we got a 25-story building skipping off the atmosphere like a rock on a pond. And I'm imagining that that, you know, when the rock hits the surface, it creates a little splash and then skips back up into the air. In this instance, that splash...
0: It was just the trees. Might have been that
1: explosion. Yeah. Just a hyper-compressed punch of air. That shot down onto the surface. The trees in the center that are pointing up are close enough to the middle that the force is directly down. So it would shave off all their limbs, but it would otherwise keep the trunks upright. Everything else that's out further out in that 300 yeah. mile diameter would have enough of a sideways hit that it would push it down. You know I mean, what
0: I mean? Yeah. I mean, you, you did say in zero grav, like, or, you know, everything kind of creates into it like a sphere. Right. Let me tell you, this thing is a pretty. Birdie- I'm looking at that. I grabbed the papers and I'm looking at the picture again. Mm-hmm. And just like this thing is a almost perfect s- sphere of yeah. like just a ball spot on in the yep.
1: woods. Perfectly circular. And that's, that's because crazy. if you envision the crazy. explosion that happened from this or whatever compressionary event happened, it emanated outward from the origin in a sphere. And then the destructive force when that sphere enters like hits the two de- at this scale, a two-dimensional plane of the surface of the planet, it's obviously another sphere, but yeah, whatever, it's a- scales, okay? You treat it like a plane. Where that impacts, it creates a perfect circle. Now, as far out as that goes, I mean, obviously, as the explosion emanates out, I'm using a lot of hand gestures, folks. As yeah. the explosion emanates out, it gets weaker, and therefore, like, you have, you know, yeah, your they, they, radius they, they, for the damage. Yeah. But it would stand to reason why the, the trees in the middle weren't knocked over because their force was mostly directly down. So only yeah. the limbs would fall off. It, it'd be like standing there and having somebody push equally on top of you across your body. Well, you would probably be stood up, but your arms would go down. Yeah, you know, arms right. go
0: down and then it'd take more force to get the rest of your body to go down.
1: Yeah. So basically coming back now to this theory that this enormous asteroid came through and the reason why... They think it skimmed off the atmosphere. Of course, we've been asking the same question. Where's the impact site? Well, more dramatically still, if this particular asteroid were to actually hit the surface, they calculated that it would have left a crater roughly two miles wide in the ground. I feel like that would have been a world event. I'm not saying it would have ended us. I don't think it's that big. But I think it would have been pretty... Like the atmospheric effects would have been pretty predominant.
0: Yeah, I mean... Even beyond the crater probably shaped the land a little bit more.
1: Oh, definitely. Yeah. A two-mile-wide hole. Ugh. Ugh. All right. Now, when it comes to the Tunguska event, most scientists agree that it must have been an airburst, right? Again, that answers the question, mm-hmm. where's the crater? That the meteor exploded in the atmosphere before hitting the Earth. And oddly enough, to support this claim, recently, as, as recent now as 2013, this happened again. Also in Russia.
0: What? Okay.
1: Let's dive in. So, once again, this happened in Russia. Russia's got a large footprint on the planet, so the odds are there, but it still is pretty shocking that it's in the same continent. This was called, and I'll do my best, the Chelyabinsk meteor. Now, this meteor was a smaller airburst, not, not nearly as dramatic, and it was named after the city that it was nearby. Uh, in fact, it occurred over this city, Chelyabinsk, Russia. And this happened in February 15th of 2013. And by using advanced computer modeling techniques, NASA researchers were able to more accurately describe the event. And they believed that this particular meteor was a stony asteroid the size of a five-story building that broke apart 15 miles above the ground, generating a shockwave equivalent to a 550 kiloton explosion. Ugh. And this is, again, just a fraction of what that other one might have been. But it does give us really good insight as to what might have gone down in Tunguska and if it was similar. The explosion itself blew out roughly a million windows and injured more than a thousand people, but trees and structures still stood. So, again, this gives us some level to measure against. The meteor was about 20 meters in diameter, and the estimated diameter of the Tunguska meteor was about 65 meters, so about three times more, a little bit more than that. Though Mark Boslow, a physicist who led the field expeditions into Tunguska, suggests that it might be smaller than previously thought, thinking maybe it was about 65 feet or 20 meters in diameter, which would put it on par with the Chelyabinsk meteor that we just described. Now, the difference between these two meteors is that the more recent one in 2013 left sizable fragments all over the place from the explosion, whereas the original event that we're talking about, yeah. again, still can't find any fragments of what might have gone down. So to have something ah. so big come through and skip, I'm, I'm thinking in my own, like, using what limited scientific knowledge I have, that this must have been some sort of hyper-dramatic compression of the air that then rebounded, right? Like a splash in water, right? Right. If you push the water down, it compresses it temporarily and comes back up. The same thing might've happened here where this created a vacuum wherever it hit, where the air had to rush back in and whatever that was created like a compressionary explosion rather than, and this is again, just me rattling off theory, rather than the meteor itself exploding, which would then litter the land with little rocks. The only other theory that's out there that I want to talk about as to why maybe the Tunguska event didn't have any fragments around, many people say, well, maybe it was just icy. Maybe it was an icy rock, and so those fragments would have melted away long ago. But the wrinkle with that particular theory, as nice as it is, is that an icy comet uh, would have probably already melted in the atmosphere before reaching this location, before getting to the point of exploding and then leaving. It would have mostly shrank in size and been a lot less dramatic. So... Oh, even if it was big enough? Even if it was big enough is is kind of the understanding. Like, yeah, it would answer the fragments being absent, but, I mean, it would have had to been way, way bigger still to melt yeah. down to the 65-meter diameter that they talked about, right? True. I don't know. Damn. Imagine it was actually bigger, like a 200-foot building or whatever, or a 200-story building, I, I like, and then shrank, and then right. exploded, then left. It's just
0: never it will never happen again
1: yeah maybe i don't know who's to say a small i mean a small airburst happened in 2013 yeah it
0: could happen on a smaller scale but yeah it's just that's absolutely wild it's just also really cool that i mean like an airburst happened in 2013 right the Mm -hmm. thing that we're theorizing we're talking about that we're kind of leaning on it happened what less than a decade ago yeah yeah or a decade ago yeah the last time Man, um, we have... That's a, just... Oh, man. Weird. It just... Well, that's pretty nuts. I just can't believe I haven't heard about something like that.
1: Uh, that's what like this show's all about, that baby. Is, well, that's, that's Bringing insane, you the stuff man. that you should have known about. What the... Yeah. <laughs> or... I mean, some of the stuff we cover is pretty well known, but like, yeah I, yeah, I find that we have a nice little niche of bringing the broad public these really interesting unsolved mysteries that otherwise kind of fall through the cracks. Yeah, I had no no clue. Yeah. Well, let's move on to the next theory. Despite the, again, it's, it, it feels pretty strong. There are a few wrinkles, but it feels pretty strong that this was an extraterrestrial body. But there's still some interesting theories out there, such as, as I mentioned, a nuclear weapon of some kind. The Soviet Union or somebody else may have been testing weapons and chose this area since it was sparsely populated further out into the distance, and you would be able to then measure the effects of what would happen on the land. Maybe treat the trees as buildings, right? At the epicenter of the explosion, trees were found still standing, though charred and barren at the branches. So that would imply that, along with the fiery elements of the sky, that some sort of flame was happening, right? Which would be natural in a man-made explosion. This same phenomenon would be later found at the epicenter of the atomic bomb in Hiroshima in 1945. So this isn't an unprecedented kind of peculiar event anymore. We have historical precedent for this very same strange thing. Mm -hmm. Now, similar to the Tunguska event, witnesses at Hiroshima saw a very bright flash of light followed once again by that loud boom. However, the energy of the Tunguska event was a thousand times stronger than what was seen in Hiroshima. And asteroids can't hit the Earth with the equivalent power or anywhere near more than what a nuclear weapon could. Now, the wrinkle to this theory, again, comes in form of the time, right? The Manhattan Project didn't have a nuclear breakthrough until the 1940s. And so it would be very strange if upwards of 25 years prior or even 30 years prior that the Russians had kind of figured out nuclear technology and nuclear bombs without anyone knowing, without there being some sort of... Or just, yeah, I
0: mean, like, eventually just being like, hey, we have this power too. Right. Like, I think that'd be difficult.
1: (laughs) Right, so I kind of right. just
0: like hide.
1: It's an interesting theory. And I think, you know, if this event happened anytime after the 1940s, sure, it's on the table. Yeah. But it is still worth talking about because there are still some very strong similarities between this and real world tests of nuclear bombs. Now, there is a small sub theory that I wanted to add on to this nuclear weapons idea, right? Because as you mentioned at the top of the episode, if aliens are in play... It doesn't matter when humans started looking at nukes, maybe aliens have some sort of nuclear technology themselves. Alexander Kazenstev was a writer and one of the first to propose the nuclear theory after he saw the similarities between this event and Hiroshima. But Kazenstev suggested that the blast was caused by a nuclear-powered UFO. An extraterrestrial visiting created this event and then maybe left. While this could seem silly, right, of course, researchers have gone to Tunguska multiple times to attempt to gather evidence to this theory. Not a lot really coming of that.
0: Yeah, I was like, how would you kind of, pull, like, what would even be the evidence that, you know what I mean? Like- the
1: only evidence is the wrinkles on the meteor theory, and then if you can grab some pretty strong radiation yeah. like, evidence, but over time that stuff fades, you know?
0: So, like, what, an alien just swooped in, said, oops, I kind of botched the landing, and then took
1: right. off. <laughs> All right, lower those engines. Whoops, I just put it into Afterburn. <laughs> right, and then, like, uh, you know what? Uh, let's go somewhere else. You know what this sounds like, is if there was, you know, hyper-travel in some way, if we were able to invent that, or maybe aliens already have that. You bend space-time, boom, you fly really fast. Now, you would probably want to initiate some sudden acceleration in a vacuum because there's no particles to really interfere but if you did that in an atmosphere yeah where there's some particles if suddenly you went from zero to a, a billion real quick you could create some really problem you I mean your ship would probably get torn apart true but you, anyway I'm I'm trying to substantiate this UFO thing but I don't not what sure if, if that's what if it's exactly not it. something coming from
0: the atmosphere in outer space and it's something leaving the planet
1: hmm hey yeah, but
0: this is something to take off and then create that shockwave and then
1: so it took off from the forest.
0: Yeah, and then got gained enough speed and momentum that it kind of just created that rift and fire yeah. in the sky.
1: Huh, that's that's entirely
0: possible. That's just like a right? just a throw out a complete reverse of like yeah. from here out instead of out in.
1: Yeah, interesting. Well, the next theory is also, it's a little shorter, but it's also very interesting because Russia has a wealth of natural gas reserves. It's its just one of their main exports, even, just mm-hmm. because their terrain and the way nature is. But the next theory is that this was caused by natural gas in some way. This helps answer why there's no meteor fragments, no impact crater, etc. And this comes from astrophysicist Wolfgang Kuntz. So Kunt suggests that there was no impact at all, of course, and that the explosion was instead caused by the release and subsequent explosion of 10 million tons of natural gas from within the Earth's crust. Kunt's theory here is that natural gas was leaking up through the surface, rose to its equal density height in the atmosphere, basically the point at which it becomes neutrally buoyant. It won't go up any higher, won't Mm -hmm. sink any lower. And then from there, it then drifted downward Maybe there was like some sort of wind or what have you in a sort of wick. And I'm using kind of his words, which eventually found an ignition source such as lightning or some other meteorological event kicked off this explosion from natural gas. And once the gas was ignited, a fire streak along with this kind of wick, as he's calling it, ignited and then down to the source of the leak, hitting the surface of the earth, exploding, sending the trees out in a shock wave. Very interesting and totally that, possible.
0: That, I mean, honestly, that's a really cool theory. In terms of just like... I mean, not that meteors aren't natural, but we're just talking about just like the Earth itself creating this.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it works for the area. Yeah. I think the only wrinkle for me is that I would imagine that there would be some sort of underground explosion, that that fire... Right. Unless it was cut off There's by... So much
0: pressure.
1: Yeah. I mean, unless it was a very, very tiny leak, like a hairline fracture kind of leak, where... The ignition wasn't able to make it through the leak down into the source of the natural gas, but it was enough of a balance to also
0: create that like neutral pocket.
1: Yeah, like a pocket in the air that then (sighs) somehow got ignited. True. Yeah, because like why have a balloon in the air and then like that wick of the leakiness? Yeah. And then why wouldn't you get have cracks
0: and fissures all over the ground? That's what I'm thinking. Right. Oh. I feel
1: like this would have impacted the ground in yeah. some way. I feel like
0: we would have more evidence of something like that.
1: But, I mean, another thing, a wrinkle on the wrinkle, we're really aging this theory, yeah. is that we didn't really go there until 13 years later. And oh. the, maybe the thawing, freezing, marshiness, iciness oh. could have melded <sighs> or almost so healed long. the cracks in the ground. So long. I know, right? That's insane mm. how long
0: it took to get out there.
1: That's crazy. I mean, it being marshy in the first place kind of does help this it, it, theory, right?
0: It's always like one or two little things that just helps, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's I don't know. I feel like with so many mysteries that we do is one or two things that kind of just like help keep things a mystery. Mm-hmm. Or like even, it's, it's it's kind of like a blanket reason. And I feel like the 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 atmosphere, unlike the atmosphere, the, the terrain itself kind of keeps this is, is the one thing that spreads across all the theories. Yeah. What I'm trying to say. It's Absolutely. like one thing that's kind of just like the wrinkle in all the theories. Yeah. It's this one piece.
1: Thing. Yeah. But from here, things get a little bit more fantastic. And we're going to end on one that I have a lot of interest in, uh, but is definitely uh, quite out there. But this next theory, probably the most outlandish in concept, but the UT Austin. So here, kind of where we record this presentation nearby. The UT Austin Center of Relativity Theory assumed that a black hole with the mass of a large asteroid was actually responsible for this shockwave. Okay. Yeah, we got a black hole on our hands. Break this down. Yeah. So they assumed that the velocity of the black hole was slightly greater than the Earth's escape velocity, i.e. the velocity you need to exit the planet's gravitational pull. And they said this, quote, A black body spectrum at this temperature peaks between 300 and 3000 A. I'll come back to that in a second. So most of the radiation from the shock front would be in the vacuum ultraviolet and would be absorbed and re-radiated at longer wavelengths. There would be little hard X radiation and the accompanying plasma column would appear deep blue. End quote. So really quickly, coming back to that A, normally when I look up blackbody spectrums and temperature, uh, the units are Kelvin, which is a capital K. In right. my notes, I have a capital A. So there's, I think there might be a typo in my notes, but I just wanted to give it as I have it. And then coming back to the idea that despite all the scientific jargon, they talk about the appearance of a deep blue. Because remember, some of the people yeah, that were able see to see that.
0: it so, it's all blue. So like it's like a baby black hole that
1: skimmed the Earth? They're saying, yeah, that it's a baby black hole oh, that what? was fast enough to come whizzing by the planet. And when it encountered us, it basically created this explosion of some sort. But yeah, I mean, that's that's as simple as <laughs> that is mind bending. I guess that it's not is. simple, but it's a short theory that's very complex. But, you know, like I said, their findings were supported by eyewitness reports of the event and the measurements of the pattern of the thrown down trees, um, the blue that was seen, the temperatures that were felt. Now, all the more reason for us to travel back in time and see what this thing actually was, because right,
0: wouldn't that be cool? Right. And then cut to me going, pull me back, pull me back as a black back, hole is like zooming <laughs> into my face. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, what that would have looked like. I, though. I, I Terrifying. That's more along the terrifying route. A little bit, a little bit. Then again, a giant thing creaming across the sky. I don't know enough to not be like, and this is going to incinerate me. Mm-hmm. Goodbye, planet Earth, right? Oh, yeah,
1: dude. Oh, I just want to know what that looked like. Like, I if I could just look at that piece of sky Beautiful. before it all happened from a safe distance.
0: Yeah.
1: <sighs> okay. Moving on now, because uh, cause that was a fantastic theory. But the next one revolves around Nikola Tesla. And if you know anything about this guy, there are many inventions that he was said to have created. Some were realized, some were not. Some stayed on paper. Um, but this man is very interesting and, and has a very uh, unfortunate end to his life. But this one centers around him. And it is one of the stranger ones. But it revolves around his infamous death ray. In 1901, Nikola Tesla began constructing the Wardenclyffe Tower in New York. He planned to use this tower to further his experiments into transmission of electricity. If this is what I think it is, basically he wanted to create these towers around the planet to pull down energy from the ionosphere and transfer it wirelessly across the planet. Free electricity (laughs) for everyone forever was the theory. That's nutty. And again, I'm going way off my notes, but... The reason why it was never realized is because he took his plans, broke it into four pieces, and shattered it across the countries. So I think the United States got a piece, Britain's got a piece, and this is where my memory gets hazy, but I believe Russia got a piece, and then another member of the alliance got a piece. So three are with the alliance and one is with Russia, because the idea was that if you could do this, yeah, free energy for all, but you mm-hmm. could also weaponize it. You could create... A very very focused location for a high amount of energy to hit basically a free weapon just blasting huge i mean uh, ungodly levels of electricity like lightning but way worse oh and it would be devastating and so he was like well for the planet to have this we need to have world peace and so i'm going to break up the plans i believe that's what this theory is about that's, that is, oh my god that yeah I mean, I have so many pocket stories about Nikola Tesla that I could just keep going for days. But in 1906, his chief financial backer over at J.P. Morgan withdrew funding for Tesla's experimenting, which caused Tesla to suffer from a breakdown. I mean, he, at the end of his days, he was destitute. He had nothing. I mean, like I said, it's a very unfortunate story for such a brilliant person. But Tesla believed his wireless electricity transmitter could transmit an electrical wave through the Earth of such high intensity that it could destroy a target hundreds of miles away. It is believed that he used this notion to shoot an electrical wave toward Ellesmere Island, where Admiral Robert Perry was camped out on his way to the North Pole. Tesla apparently made cryptic remarks about contacting Perry uh, somehow and had instructed him to watch the tundra for air quotes signals. Basically saying that, he was going to use this right. thing in front of somebody many miles away and he was being very coded about it basically implying that this thing did come to pass that it did mm-hmm. actually exist and that's what people saw yeah and then what happened in tunguska happens to be another symptom of this very item there's actually a quote from tesla in liberty magazine saying this quote my invention requires a large plant but once it is established, it will be possible to destroy anything, men or machines, approaching within radius of 200 miles. Supporters of this theory believe Tesla did this as a way to demonstrate the power he had, but overshot his target of Elsmere Island, and then ended up exploding a random area here of Tunguska. And if he said he could destroy upwards of 200 miles, well, that's certainly within the confines of the land-based damage here, which... What was it again about 65 miles in diameter excuse me i might be way over man i just no 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 it seemed like 800 square miles
0: it feels like so many things are public about this this intention that he had Mm -hmm. i feel like why wouldn't that be public of like oh look look what i was capable of doing i missed but look what i've invented yeah this this is where things
1: get interesting because he's an interesting fella yeah, He has some pretty wild theories and inventions, and it's hard to delineate fact from fiction now yeah. because, you know, if he did break it up and send it off, that could be good storytelling. It could be to cover up the fact that it didn't exist or it could have actually existed. I mean, there's a story around him having a device that would find the resonant frequency of structures Basically, everything has a natural vibration to it. This this is starting to sound Atlantish, but if you you knock on this table, you'll hear a note, a -hmm. specific note, and that is its resonance frequency. frequency. Yeah, Yeah. and if you take something that can emulate something's resonant frequency, you can actually shatter it. Right? That's how people sing and shatter a glass. He had apparently a pocket-sized device that he would just (laughs) touch to a building, and it would shake it at. it. It would find and emit its resonant frequency back into the object to the point where it would start shaking. I
0: feel like it's all fantasized, because why wouldn't we be able to do these these things, right? With all the vast amount of technology that has evolved over time and resources that we have now, like, you know.
1: Maybe we can and it's all classified. Or maybe they're just like anybody that does enter this arena of right. potentially dangerous equipment it's locked down. Gets the Tesla treatment, right? Yeah. You know? or gets taken away. The men in black visit you and you disappear overnight. I don't know. That's so cool though. It's such an interesting thought either way.
0: It just makes him sound like the most interesting scientist ever.
1: Yeah. So that's where it's hard to delineate. What's a good story and what's real? But the story goes that he used it on a building and he got so scared by his own tech that he didn't want that building to collapse but it was going to is is the way he described it. And so he then to save the world from it destroyed it. And that was the end of that. So it's like (laughs) During this man's life, he tested whatever he could, tested the boundaries of his physical limitations, and then basically backwards destroyed all of it so he wouldn't hurt humanity. Or maybe none of it ever existed. Cool, fanciful story. Yeah, but that is the final theory that we're going to talk about around Tunguska. Still a very fascinating mystery nonetheless, and still something that could happen tomorrow. Right? Yeah,
0: I think that was a fun mystery multitude of reasons one of them being the fact that like this was an actual event it happened two that we had something similar happened um like you know less than a decade ago there's comparisons there and it'll i don't know i think this this allowed for a lot of fun tangents to Mm -hmm. kind of like think about you know what i mean and then to to top all of it off like you know we, we were really cool tangents whether it's us like bantering like idiots or uh trying to approach this from our non-scientific minds, right. but um, it all ended with Tesla uh, <laughs> and all and all his crazy stories. Oh, yeah. That was a fun one.
1: If nothing else, the man brought alternating current, which is what we all use to turn on our lights. Not direct current. Snap. It's going to electrocute you. Yeah. It's going to blast you silly. Um, but yes, that's been the Tunguska event or also known as the Tunguska event. Very interesting stuff. Man, do I love it when our mysteries tap into space because that's it's, man Ooh, that's my bread and butter right there the good stuff but uh with that said this brings us to a close on our spooky eerie forest mystery month I hope you all enjoyed it we do have another theme month coming in October mm-hmm. that one's a little right, bit more on the nose so. yeah but until then we have a bunch of really cool theories to get you through September until then otherwise check us out on TikTok we've been reactivating our TikTok yes we have. with some bite-sized theories some around these forests and some kind of uh other bite-sized mysteries that uh, might not make a full episode so go follow us there that handle is actually different it's the red web on TikTok but uh but yeah we'll see you over there otherwise fredo i'll see you right back here next monday for another mystery we'll do